Let me, let me make sure that some folks understand that I'm, I'm not the pastor. Uh, I'm just Frank. I'm just Frank. I actually attend church here, although you probably don't see me here very much. Um, I, I, a, lot of, a lot of folks, I hate to call them new folks, but to me they're new folks. And we had, in fact, I don't know most people's names, and even those names that I do know, I sometimes get them mixed up. But, uh, uh, for instance, Mike... Mike Roy came and played volleyball with us last Monday, I think it was, and I called him Adam all night. So I, I thought he was somebody else. So anyway, so just, just want to make sure uh, what's going on there. But also, since we're not having Wednesday night services through July, and I understand why, but uh, that's also our prayer time when we share prayer requests and have prayer for different things happening in people's lives and other people's lives. So I thought maybe we would have a little prayer time to start off this morning with because I know that things are happening in some lives. Some of you know from through Facebook, and some of you may not, that Pastor Andy's stepmom passed away just a uh, day or so ago. Maybe it's Friday, is that when it was? Uh, so we want to pray for that family. And I just want to, want to give a little shout out to his dad, Randy. Uh, when they got married, when him and Tammy got married, they knew this was a possibility because she had already been diagnosed. It was already pretty serious uh, stages of cancer. So uh, he has just been tremendous in taking care of her day and night for some time. So I just uh, appreciate him, but also concerned about you know, the family during this time as well. So let's just a show of hands. We won't just do all prayer requests, but you've got somebody in your life you would like for us to pray for this morning? A lot, a lot, okay. I uh, don't know what they are. The Lord knows what they are. We'll just lift that all up to the Lord uh, this now, along with uh, Tammy's family and uh, uh, the Rain's family as well uh, during this time. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning you've given to us. We thank you for the health to be here. We thank you for your provisions that we can come and be a part of the service this morning. But we also come to you with the many needs that were signified just now. Uh, we pray for uh, the loss of Tammy, uh, her children, her family, as well as Randy and the Rains family. Just ask your touch and movement upon them uh, during this time of loss. But we're also celebrate because she is yours. She is your child, and now she stands in your presence, and I am so happy for that. And so, Lord, we just uh, ask your touch and your guidance upon the next few days and months as the family uh, goes through this time of loss. We pray for the many hands, and whatever they may be, uh, whether it be sickness, whether it be struggles, whether it be uh, something else that I know nothing about, Lord, you do. And so we ask your will to be done in each and every case. May you be glorified and magnified in each situation where we ask it in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. All right. Well, remember to pray for each other as we continue on. Uh, now, what I do typically, the reason I'm gone so much is because I, I was hired by the state of Missouri Free Will Baptist to promote our missions programs which I am excited to do. And so I want to give you a little bit of an update what's happening in missions. And uh, we, uh, uh, it, it's some really cool stuff taking place. Those of you that went to Greensburg, Danny and Andy, Joe, who's not with us anymore, was there anybody else that went with us to Greensburg, Pennsylvania on that trip? I'm forgetting. Who? No? That's it? 
No, not, that was Erie. But Greensburg, uh, outside of Pittsburgh, was a different one. So, well, yeah, Debbie went, but she's not here. We don't care about her. <laughs> no, that's my wife. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I just want to give you an update on that. You know, we did that back in, I don't remember, 2009 or something like that. Uh, and and what we, we were helping them in the process that they were doing, and they bought a neighborhood bar. It's a neighborhood bar, two stories, two bars, dance hall. The whole. Th- in fact, I, I was part of the first group that went in 2007 that ripped down the neon lights in the dance area and took sledgehammers to the bars and all that kind of stuff. It was really pretty cool. And, and, and this group was also part of trying to get that thing to the place where it was really a, a, a church. Uh, and they were running about 30 people, 30, 35 people at that time. Well, now they're going self-supporting. I just love that. They're, run, they're averaging about 115, 20 people now, two services because their sanctuary is not near this size. And uh, I'm just so excited about what's taking place there in Greensburg as Nate and Jenna and that family uh, have gotten to that point where they're, they're, they're coming off a of mission status in 2019. And ah, just, just so excited. But they also have a vision for planting more churches in Pennsylvania, in that Pittsburgh area. So we're excited about what the future is going to hold with the Altums there uh, in, in Greensburg and beyond. I could tell you story after story after story about that uh, area and place. Uh, but also we have another church plant that's going self-supporting in our state. Uh, the mission board combined with a local association called the Mid-Rivers Association and uh, the, the project in Troy, Missouri, outside of St. Louis, O'Fallon area is going self-supporting this year as well. So we're excited. That's the sixth state mission work that's come off a of mission status since I started in 2007. So praising God for that. We, I, I like the fact when these churches, we like starting them. It's exciting to start them, but boy, it's even more exciting to see them come off. Uh, you know, last year we had the Kabul restart come off a mission status and running about 100 or so people. And it's just awesome to see them go from 10 or 12 people to going self-supporting by 100 or so. And it's because of all the things that you help us do by your support of the Show Me Plan, which is an offering taken up here the last Sunday of every month, uh, and individuals who are giving to the Show Me Plan that helps us do those kind of things. We have four missionaries that are overseas, two in Japan, one in Spain, one in Bulgaria. Ah, Bulgaria, Josh and Lydia Provo. They are in a town called Schumann, Schumann, Bulgaria, and they just moved there. They're just starting a new work in Schumann, Bulgaria, and they're asking for volunteers to come and help them do their first outreach in Bulgaria. I've been to Schumann. I've walked it with with Josh and just prayed over the city, but uh, uh, it is an exciting thing taking place in Bulgaria. How many of you would like to go to Bulgaria? How many of you even know where Bulgaria is even at? <laughs> I, I have to admit, I, before they went, I didn't know where. I was in Europe. That's all I knew. But it's just a little town, a little country smaller than Missouri that no one thinks about, no one cares about. It's the poorest in the EU. It, it's just, it used to be part of the Soviet Union. Those of you who remember that. Uh, it's very depressed. It, it, the Christianity there, they have a history of Christianity, but it's just become a shell. It's just a shell of Christianity. They really have no idea what it's about. But, uh, but it's so exciting to go and talk to the people about the Lord, and they're so open to it. They are planning their first outreach 
which is Operation Christmas Child, which is what we, what we would do is we'd go to a village or a part of Schumann, and we would organize a party, a Christmas party, and then we would give the kids all the shoebox, shoebox Christmas things and let them open them. And it's just going to be awesome. So now it's December 27 through January 8 in Bulgaria. The climate there is much like Missouri. So it could be very nice, comfortable days, or it could be a foot of snow. I don't know. So uh, if you'd like more information on making that trip, I would love to give it to you as we're thinking about going and helping Josh and Lydia do their first outreach in Schumann, Bulgaria. All right. Uh, Last thing, state missions. We're doing a restart in Rolla. You've heard about that. You've had Farron come and talk to your church, but I want to give you an update what's happening there. They've started having services there, unannounced, unpromoted services there in Rolla, Missouri. It's one of those deals where the church got down to almost nobody, and they asked us to come in. We took it over. We shut it down. We're starting over. New location, new direction, new purpose. Um, And what we found in Rolla is, I was unaware of this as well, is that I did not realize how many nationalities live in Rolla. Just amazing uh, how many different nationalities are there. So that's our target because the churches there in Rolla are not targeting these first and second generation Americans that are living there. Some of them aren't even Americans yet. But with the unadvertised, just meeting with the original group as well as some others we have connected with, so far we've got, as well as just some regular old Missouri folks, um, Mexican family, Guatemalan family, one where she is Filipino. Uh, there's, a, there's a group that has some ties to Africa uh, that's been here for a while. And we've got uh, students that, I'm not going to say the numbers because it could be a large number, but I'm just going to say a dozen students from Nepal when they come back in August should be t- could be tied into that church. And we have, here's what's really cool, we have three couples, three young couples that are from Yemen. Now, Yemen is one of those countries in which it is illegal to be anything but Muslim. So they are Muslim. But that's all they can be. And that's all their families can be. But they have asked... I want you to grasp that. These Muslims have asked our pastor there, Farron, if they can come to church there. Isn't that awesome? That is awesome. Because, let me give you this fact, in the last 20 years, the last 20 years, more people have come to know Christ as Savior out of Islam than all previous years to when it started in 610 combined. God is moving among people of Islam in all these different various places, and a lot of it's secret. So it is just, oh, just so exciting to, to know those things and have those things. And I, and I tell you, I can't tell you the excitement that when the pastor calls and says, I just had two families from Yemen ask me if they could come to our church. So it is just really cool. Thank you for supporting the Show Me Plan. In fact, I brought some cards. I'll leave them up here if you want some more information on that, how to, how to support it, how to help us do more uh, in those areas. Okay, uh, mission report over. We'll step into the Word now. Open your Bibles. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm hoping to accomplish something very simple uh, here today. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. That's where we'll start. But I'm hoping to accomplish something just very simple here this morning as we 
uh, work towards our, our walk and our faith in Christ. And that is um, to get you to understand a couple of words in John 3.16. And tie that into the fact of why we have church. Why is there a church? And why do we have to be a part? Why do we need to be a part of it uh, in, in our Christian walk in life? Uh, because I, I, what I've talked about so far in this missions report has to do with church planting and how people's lives are being affected through church planting. Uh, and, and I've one of those as well. Way back in the 1900s, like 1950s, uh, there was a group of people that were attending a Free Will Baptist Church in Monette, Missouri. And they were driving from Neosho to Monette, which is 25-minute drive, something like that, uh, to attend church. And in that time period, if I remember the history right, they got together and decided, hey, we need to put some effort into extending ourselves and planting another church in Neosho, which they had a few families, and they engaged them in that. They were willing to help. They were willing to give their time and their talents and their treasure to do that. And so they established a church in a small rental building there in Neosho. Now, fast forward to about 1981, when me and my family showed up, who had just moved there just a few years earlier from Oklahoma. I didn't grow up in church. I, I had that stance, I believe in God, but never had a relationship with him. So me and Debbie and our little, little girl, at that time one little girl, uh, came into church that had just been planted by or established by the Monette Church. And through that process, I came to know the Lord. I was saved in that church. I came to the knowledge of Christ in that church. I served in that church at all these many different capacities. I did everything. I was a trustee. I, was, I, I, I eventually taught a Sunday school class. I, we were there on Wednesday nights. We were there on Sunday nights. We helped clean the church. We, I, the only thing they wouldn't let me do is ladies' auxiliary. That was it. And so, but everything else we were involved in. We started children's church that they didn't have. Then we later started a youth group that they'd never had and just all these different things. Uh, And then I answered a call to preach, answered a call to pastor in that church. Ended up pastoring that church for 15 years until we came here in 2007 uh, to do the ministry that we're doing uh, now. All because a church had a burden to plant a church someplace else which is what this church is doing in Conway, right? So I am all in with this effort to restart the church in Conway through this church uh, doing that. So I, I'm excited about what's going to happen there. I'm excited to get started on that. And I, I hope we, we covet your prayers and your and, uh, involvement in us restarting the church in Conway uh, as soon as we can. Um, so I see the church as valuable. I see it as completely needed in, in people's lives. Uh, I, you know, church is the found, one of those foundational things, I think, of any healthy society. Because the church, the, what it teaches, it propagates what the, the core foundations of the family. It teaches the core foundations of the rule of law. It teaches the core foundations of honesty and, and ethics and relationships with other people. And, and without the church, you lose those core foundation things. And, and I realize that there's this huge movement to do away with religion and to do away with borders and to do away with all these things, which are completely contrary 
to what we as a nation has been established on, well, all of our existence. And so I, I want to try and get across. I hope to encourage somebody, if anybody here needs it, as to why your presence here today and every week is important. Uh, John 3.16, I'm going to start there for just a second, then we're going to get to the passage in Matthew. But John 3.16, you know that passage. It, uh, it has that, those verses, that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever... Now, I want to camp out on that word just for a second. Whosoever. The whosoever has been the, the cry of our denomination, Free Will Baptist, since the 1700s. In the 1700s, and here in this country, not everybody felt this way, but it was a large segment, had the idea that God had already chosen who was going to heaven and who wasn't. It's called, they call it Calvinism. But a large segment of the country had, already, had the belief that God's already chosen. It doesn't matter. Some are in, some are out. But a couple of guys, uh, Benjamin Randall, Paul Palmer, begin to teach this passage here where it says, no, 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 no. God hasn't chosen. It says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not, it's not in or out. Man has the free will to choose God, and man has the free will to deny God. That's how we got our name. Because they called us free willers, and we just adopted it. So that's why we're free will Baptists, is because we promote the whosoever. That whosoever call upon the name of the Lord can be saved. And I'm glad that's true, because I'm nothing special. Amen? amen. What did you amen that for? <laughs> I, I tricked you into that one. So I'm not. I'm not anything special at all. And probably you would say the same thing. But, uh, but I'm glad that God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. The word believe I want to camp out on a little bit too. That's where we're going to spend the majority of our time. The word believe, because, you know, through the English language and other languages, sometimes words, meanings change. Uh, tolerance, the word tolerance has changed in the last 20 years, and I don't need to go into all that. Well, I will. You, you, used to, you used to say, you know, we can disagree, Gerald and I can disagree, but we can still get along. That's, that's tolerance. Now it's, I will tolerate you so long as you think the same way that I do, right? That's kind of how it's changed. Uh, there are other, there, I, I came across looking up some other words that, that we don't disagree in anything. I was just pointing at Gerald. Um, but, but there's also another word that I was surprised about in the word guy. G-U-Y, guy. I, I, I didn't know where that started, so I wanted to look it up. I found that it actually started in 1606 when a guy by the name of Guy Fowler tried to blow up the Parliament building in England. But he failed, but his name became widespread for in a negative tone that if you were a mean-spirited, frightful person, you were a guy. But now every male adult is called... A guy. You ladies can talk about that later. Okay. I also came across, just accidentally, I didn't look it up on purpose, I was looking up wor words changed, and I came across the word fizzle. <laughs> Uh-oh, 
I'm glad Debbie's not in here. Uh, fizzle. You know, like things fizzle out. Uh, where does fizzle come from? Well, originally it was meant to describe, well, we call it silent but deadly now. We'll, uh, we'll move on. You look that up. But here, it, it, but the word believe is more, what I want to get across is the word believe has changed as well. Because when we look at this word believe in, in the scriptures, the intent at that period in time had more than just the intellectual thought that I believe in God. And I want to get across that as we start here in Matthew and take a look at a very familiar story that took place with Jesus and the disciples. So in Matthew chapter 16... Let's take a look at what happened there. Matthew chapter 16, starting with verse 13, says this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, and they immediately, as you read down for the next verse, uh, they, they said, Well, some of them think you're John the Baptist, and some of them think you're Elijah, and some of them think you're Jeremiah reincarnated. And Very flattering words, actually, at that time. They think you're a great prophet, is basically what they're saying. Uh, and so Jesus kind of flips it to them in verse 16 and says, well, who do you say that I am? Now, the, 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 what he's implying there is, what do you believe? What do you believe I am? Now, I don't know how much time takes place between uh, 1615 and 1616 where Peter stands up and answers. But as we read about Peter's characteristics, it probably didn't take very long. I picture him standing up and saying, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus immediately responds as well and says, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter... And upon this I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So what, he, what I want to say to you at this, what Jesus is saying here, you have stated a truth of what you believe and what you stand for. And it's upon this belief that the church will be established, and even hell itself will not be able to defeat it. Amen? I love that statement. I love this passage as I go through and I read that because that gives me security and peace knowing that we have got God's blessing on the church. God so loved the world that he gave us his son. The son so loved the world that he gave us the church. I love that. And it is such a powerful, powerful structure that he's given to us that fits perfectly in the dynamic that we like to be around others. I realize there's people out there that say they don't. I don't really believe them. I think there's God, oh, he's designed us to want to be around other people. Maybe not large crowds, but around other people. Now, I think, we don't, I think also with this passage, it needs to be understood that what it took for Peter to say that. Because at that day and time, to proclaim that somebody was the Son of God... It was ludicrous. It was insane. You could, you could get beat up for saying things like that. You could actually be tied to the stake in the town square and be flogged for saying something like that. I mean, take a look at what the Pharisees 
They wanted to kill Jesus because there was times that he alluded himself to being God. And so they wanted to destroy him. And so for Peter to stand up and say in the midst of these other disciples in, a, in this Roman town of Philippi that used to be called Pan City after the uh, God Pan, you're the son of God. He was not just saying intellectually, I think you're the son of God. He was making a statement of faith in this person as being the, act, the son of Mary and Joseph, the person whom they knew their brothers and sisters. It would be like, see that guy over there? I guess I can't use guy anymore. See that man over there? He's Jesus. You say, oh, guy's nuts. But that's, that's where he's at. He said, I believe in my heart this is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the one who brings us salvation. It was a tough situation to make. Uh, but he does that. He makes that. And Jesus says that's the foundational aspect of the church. The fact that people are willing to say, verbalize who Jesus actually is to them, what they believe. And the fact of the matter is, I, that is the one thing I would love to get across to any community. The fact that the church is not, its foundational aspect is not to develop or that it's only open to perfect people. Because that's what you hear. Uh, if, if the church was only for perfect people, Aaron couldn't be here. <laughs> I couldn't be here either. Right? You couldn't be here either. It's not about perfect people. The church isn't supposed to resemble a, a culture club of well-to-do, near-perfect people. It actually is supposed to resemble more of a hospital for those that are sick, sin sick, has troubles, that kind of stuff. Jesus said, I didn't come for the well, I came for the sick. So that's what the church is for. The church is for everybody. Amen. Everybody. Regardless of where you stand with Christ, even lost people should be in church like those Muslims so that they can hear the truth. They can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, uh, James tells us, if you say that there is one God, you do well. James chapter 2. If you say there is one God, you do well. So believing in God mentally, believing that there is a God is a good thing. But it goes on to say, the demons also believe, and they tremble. So there must be something more to it than just being able to say, oh, I believe in God. Something else to this that we're going to build on. That gets us to the second point. Because some people will, you've heard people say, and I've heard people say, well, I believe in God. Why do I need to go to church? Right? I can remember when I said that. I believe in God. Why would I need to go to church? Let me, uh, let me, let me I'm going to share with you a little story. Uh, then I'll, I'm going to use some scripture to kind of back up what I'm going to say. Um, when, I, when I first started pastoring in Neosho, on nice days, once in a while, I just get it in my head, I'm going to go over to this neighborhood over here and just knock on doors and just invite people to church. Now, that was way back in the 1900s when it's more acceptable. Uh, but, I, but I did it. And I might do that yet still today. Who knows? 
But I just went in and just invited people to church. And for the most part, people were in church. It was a heavy Southern Baptist community. Most people had a connection to the church. But once in a while, you get into a good conversation uh, with folks. And they want to talk about their church or they want to talk about their family or whatever it is. But I came across this one lady one time that I'll never forget. And she, she was out in the yard waiting on me as I was coming down the row. I don't know where she saw She must have saw me across the street or something. She was waiting. She couldn't wait for me to get there. And I was kind of dreading it. And so, uh, so I, I, I got to her and she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just out inviting folks to church. She said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, oh boy. She said, I can't wait to get in front of God. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. I said, you're going to do what? She said, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, and he's going to listen. She actually said, by God. And I, <laughs> I wanted to laugh, but I didn't. But uh, by God, you're going to talk to God anyway. It was something funny to me. And uh, so she rambled on. I don't know. It seemed like four days, but it was like five, ten minutes uh, about all her things she has against God. And it wasn't anything really big. I mean, she didn't have any kids die or cancer or nothing like that. She just didn't like the fact that the world was in such chaos and, and people were hungry and there was, you know, all this stuff. And so I finally, she took a breath and I said, wait, can I, can I interject something in here? I said, I, I just, I know that you're really excited about standing before God and telling him what you think, but uh, you might want to consider going ahead and doing that now and then get over it really quick because there are 6,000 people that die every hour. And if you add that up, that's going to give you about a half second to share with God your mind. He's, if he was going to give everybody a personal you know, face-to-face, which I, I, don't, I hate to break it to you, it's not going to happen. Because now is the time when he's listening. Now is the time when he is open to the sinner's heart. Now is the time when he wants to hear your complaints. Now is the time when you can lay out your life before God and and just tell him what you think. But I'm going to tell you, you need to get over it pretty quick because he is also the person that has established the rules and the criteria to be able to be before him. And I don't think this attitude fits it. She didn't like to hear that. She kind of went on again for a while, uh, but people kind of get that mindset that God owes them something, and that if, if all they have to do is just believe in God. But let me, let me see if I can get across this next part. I'm going to read you some verses, and then you see if you, if you grasp it. I'm going to tell you what it is, but don't worry if you don't catch it, it's all right. Um, Matthew 8. A leper came and worshipped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. John chapter 8, which you need to read, John chapter, this, this passage, it's awesome. Uh, he says to the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, uh, Woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Luke 23, thief on the cross, being nailed up there with Jesus. Then he, the thief, said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. 
Any ideas what the next point might be? Here's what I, here's what I want to get across. Jesus won't be your Savior until you're first willing to make him Lord. You can't just have him as Savior and not make him Lord. In each case, the leper said, Lord, if you're willing to make me well, you can. She said, no, Lord, there's no person here to condemn me. The thief, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. The first thing you have to do if you truly want to receive salvation is you've got to be able to turn your life over to him. That's hard. It's about authority. Who are you going to allow to have authority over your life? Me or him? Maybe you hadn't thought about that. But it's a fact. And we're all going to do that. Every person that's ever lived, is living, or will live. Every dictator, every Muslim, every Christian, every atheist, everybody at some point will call Jesus Lord. Let me me read you a passage in Philippians chapter 2. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth, of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So the choice is this. You want to believe God with your mouth, but you want to make him Lord with your heart. You can confess him as Lord now in this life in victory. You can confess him as your Lord now in victory, as a victory statement, as a proclamation. Or you can proclaim him Lord later in defeat. I would highly suggest that you take this word believe, that whosoever believe in him, And understand it's not just about mentally believing in God, mentally acknowledging Jesus is the Son of God, but it's also about turning over your life, who you are, what you want to be, what your present and future is going to be, and just giving it over to Him. Amen? Amen. It's, It's harder to do, I agree. It's not real exciting. But it does come down to that. That's the difference between... Me believing in God before I came to the church in Neo Show and me living for God after I recognized Him as Savior. So that's, that's where I want us to focus. So why do we do that? Why do we have that? Well, I kind of already started with that in the fact that the church builds the foundational substance to you and to all of us to have a happy life. Remember the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those kind of things. We all want those kind of things. And, that's what, and as we learn to love each other and to take care of each other and to be law-abiding citizens, to be ethical, to be moral, to be truthful, all these kind of things, everyone benefits. That's the importance of the church, where we lie our faith. Now, I'll give you four things real quick about why I, just some basic things about why the church is good. I already told you that uh, we do, the church is here for the gathering. 
We gather together as a group, as a congregation, for fellowship, for edification, for learning, and things like this. We also grow spiritually as the Lord expects us to do because he gave us a command that we are to gather together and then to go. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we gather together to grow, to be able to get ourselves to the position in which we can help others come to the very knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. We also come to give, to give of ourselves. As I talked about the group in Neosho, they were willing to give of their time, their treasure, their talents to establish that church. So we come to give. We give of ourselves because we all have uniqueness about us that connects with other people that are kind of like us. And also have the talents that we can to teach and to preach or to whatever it is we do uh, as the church, as the body of Christ to spread the gospel farther. And the last thing is uh, we come to go. We gather together so that we can better prepare to go. And I've talked about the go before when I filled in for Andy last time on how to be better at the go. So I won't go into that. But uh, uh, so that's the purpose of the church. So my, my goal is, is that you recognize that the word uh, in, in 3.16 is that whosoever means you, that the word believe also means that it's not just mental. It is also giving our lives over to the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'd like for us to take a time of reflection now. I'd like for us to think, because I know what I've said is probably not the common thing to say. The fact about turning your life and your authority and your decision-making and all those kind of things over to something else, over to someone else, that's not easy to do. And no one's perfect at it, I might add. But I'd like to ask you if the Lord touched your heart and maybe made you realize that you're not where you should be in your relationship with Him. Probably everybody here is. Awesome. But if, in case, somebody here is not, I just want you to know how to become right with the Lord. And I hope that I've done that this morning. Let's stand. I think Beth's going to come and lead us in a time of invitation. We always have a time of reflection at the end of the service, and uh, uh, the altars are open for you to come, and just any burden that you have upon your heart, whether it is to have a better relationship with the Lord, and, and, and you, you want to strengthen that, come and feel free to do that. If you would like someone to pray with you, if you would like me to pray with you, I'll turn the mic off and I would be glad to uh, pray with you in whatever instance that you have. Maybe you've never really given yourself to the Lord. Maybe you've always believed in God, but you never really thought about the authority aspect of giving Him the authority over, over you. And you'd like to do that this morning. I would love uh, to help you accomplish that. Just come to me and I'll be glad to do that. Otherwise, the altars are open, and you're free to use them as you have need, as Beth said.